0: Hey, you're back with Decoding Crypto. Happy Friday, my buddies. I'm Ed Stott and my co-host is
1: Collective Shift CEO, Ben
0: Simpson. Ben, how you doing?
1: Ed, I'm back in Perth, back in Australia, back on home soil. It's been nice to be back. Got in late last night. Um, looking forward to I'm i'm hanging out for a for an epic like bacon and eggs and like a latte oh nice it's like yeah no one does breakfast culture like australia like i don't know what it's like back home where where you're where you're from but like thailand isn't a breakfast culture sort of place (laughs)
0: a (laughs) hundred percent no australia is amazing for breakfast culture it's incredible and so now you're home what's next what's on the agenda for the next few weeks
1: Uh, Back to Melbourne till uh, sort of late April. There's a few crypto conferences happening in Melbourne over the next couple of weeks, which is really cool. So speaking at um, CX3, which is like a conference for Web2 brands. So there's a lot of Web2 brands coming to speak about how they can get their Web3 strategy. Um, Speaking at NFT Melbourne, which is uh, like another NFT conference that's happening in a couple of weeks' time as well. And then off to the US in late April for Consensus, one of the biggest crypto conferences, um, probably in the in the world, one of the oldest too, is happening in Austin. So heading over there for a few weeks, which will be fun.
0: Nice, that's going to be so fun Consensus sounds amazing. Are you going to the Bitcoin conference in Miami in April?
1: Oh, I can't make it this year. I went last year; May. it was incredible. But um, yeah, I can't make it this year. That was one of my favorite conferences, though. I didn't go to; I couldn't make it to Consensus last year. So I'm super excited to be there and. Of course, reporting everything back to uh, to Decating Crypto listeners.
0: If you could, that would be great. But back to the matter at hand. Today, we are wrapping up the week's news in a neat little package for you so that you don't have to keep up with the news. You don't have to sit around on Twitter getting bashed by the trolls. We'll take it on the chin for you and report back. You can trust us. So today, Ben, the biggest news this week is around Silvergate. And if anybody was listening last week, they'll remember um, that we were talking about this crypto-friendly bank, Silvergate, that were in strife. Well, this week they have announced that they're winding down operations. So on Wednesday, they released a press release and said that they would be doing an orderly winding down of bank operations and a voluntary liquidation of the bank. So this is isn't really a surprise. Senator Elizabeth Warren has had her eyes on the exchange for a while now since FTX blew up and she's tweeted um, saying that as the bank of choice for crypto, Silvergate Bank's failure is disappointing but predictable. I warned of Silvergate's risky if not illegal activity and identified severe due diligence failures. Now customers must be made whole and regulators should step up against crypto risk. So she's kind of saying that she's got hawk eyes on the crypto industry and she's watching for anything, anything else that might be FTX-like. I don't think she's saying that Silvergate is that, but I think it has really sharpened regulators' eyes in terms of what's really going on in the crypto industry. Ben, is there any indication of what actually Happened to cause Silvergate to finally go under. Like, why were they in such a bad situation?
1: Still, FTX, unfortunately, Ed. So uh, I think they'd lost somewhere between uh, one billion dollar net loss. Uh, mm. You know, just uh, that. I think that was just from FTX alone. So you know, then they had to. <coughs> oh, <sorry. coughs> then they had to um, lay off forty percent of their workforce, uh, which then just plummeted their their stock value. And one of the most, I guess, um, I don't know if it's frustrating or things that's going to affect the crypto industry the most is that there's not that many crypto-friendly banks. Like there's probably only you know mm. two or three. Silvergate was one of them that a lot of different you know crypto institutions, crypto exchanges, could actually use to to bank their crypto. Because we've got to remember, a lot of the banks aren't crypto-friendly. So this is you know putting some pressure on some some businesses across you know the world where they are you know potentially using. Someone like Silvergate to to bank their their crypto, and then now it's coming down to you know maybe only one or two crypto friendly banks remaining. So, yeah, I can't comment too much on like how they went. Like I, I you know, I mean, if you look at the contagion that happened post FTX, like so many businesses went under. Like this is just another one that you know is, is falling off the back of uh, you know FTX, and for Elizabeth Warren to come out and say that you know pre- predictable failure of you know. Maybe illegal activity, like, I mean, come on, like the reality is like FTX was the second largest crypto exchange. They went down and it's so intertwined, the crypto industry, like everything went down because of it.
0: Yeah. And obviously we know that they've been struggling for a while. And so to cover the withdrawals that they had, which were triggered um, by a rush for the exit last year, uh, they had to sell 5.2 billion dollars of debt securities and then they went to the federal home loan bank for an additional 4.3 billion and that was what triggered Elizabeth Warren to start checking and keeping a close eye on what was happening with Silvergate. So I think you know this capitulation was inevitable but it's sad to see the impact of FTX still just rippling through the crypto- Markets, um, yeah, definitely a very disappointing thing. And um, in happier news, we have seen. Potentially Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum, endorsing an NFT collection, apparently. So this is kind of surprising um, considering who Vitalik is. But there's this NFT collection that has kind of gone off on crypto Twitter. So it's a collection that celebrates um, his contributions to a particular web3 funding model and it was created by metalabel in collaboration with web3 funding platform gitcoin so the open edition mint launched on the first of the month but nft traders maybe might have missed the memo because it was only this week when secondary sales suddenly went off. So at the they it, they've amassed a huge amount of money around 4692 ETH that's around 7.3 million US dollars in trading volume over the past 24 hours and that was uh yesterday but that is just a wild amount of money. So each NFT in the collection um known as a record uh, that's what mess Label are calling them looks like an album cover and it includes a digital version of the 2018 white paper liberal radicalism a flexible design for philanthropic matching funds now this sounds really nerdy and it is but people absolutely love it so it commemorates the creation of the concept of quadratic funding which is a model that seeks to maximize contributions to projects by providing matching funds to individual donations. This is kind of complicated. and I'm not quite sure I completely understand how it works. Are you familiar with this concept, Ben?
1: Anything with quadratic? No. Uh, but like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I squid. I'm not uh, not a mathematician. But look, I, th- I think it's to be clear, like uh, yeah, Vitalik uh, and a few of his uh, other colleagues, Basically, published a proposal for this like more equitable model for fun, you know, funding public goods projects called the liberal radicalism, which you just touched on, Ed, which was back in 2018. So, this NFT collection seems to just be using that technology. I don't think it's actually like you know Vitalik's NFT collection. It's just the technology. No,
0: that... but but he allowed them to use it, right? He allowed them Correct. to use that paper.
1: Correct. Uh, and I mean that if we look at the, you know the reality or the reason why. You know, Ethereum is so exciting is because it distributes the access for people to invest or get access to products across the world, and that was where the ICO boom was such a massive thing back in 2017. The initial coin offerings, where projects could raise capital from anyone in the world, anyone could invest into a into a company. Now, whether or not mm. you know that was the best thing to do at the time, there was a lot of crappy investments, but the idea of this distributed. Now, funding model is it allows businesses with a token to raise capital, to build a community, to build a following from anyone in the, in the world. And the technology of blockchain and Ethereum allows you to do that. And that's why Ethereum is so exciting
0: it is really interesting so apparently um what this concept means is that in practice a few whales can't determine how matching funds are handed out depending on the size of their contribution so everybody gets a say in how these funds are handed out and so gitcoin a platform that funds open source web three tools and projects using quadratic funding has awarded around 70 million dollars across the Ethereum ecosystem to date so it's clearly doing brilliant work and apparently each NFT comes with two essays about quadratic funding which I'm sure you can't wait to get your hands (laughs) on Ben that's some (laughs) fun reading over the weekend um so there those are those essays are written by Gitcoin founders Kevin Owaki and Scott Moore and so the standard NFT was released last week last week in an open edition mint that concluded yesterday around um just 78 us dollars ultimately 9 of the standard nfts were minted so this has gone off and it's really had some impact on the general NFT market too, which has just reinvigorated some interest as well. So projects like this are really great for the whole NFT ecosystem, right, Ben?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really cool. Like if you think about the ability for like a charity, for example, like if you've got different donations going in and, and then collectively the people within that community can decide equally what they do with that that money is is kind of a cool idea. So they're kind of calling this like a, a combination of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization where people within the community can vote to do different things and do with the money and then NFTs. And that's kind of what the metal mm. meta label technology is. So it just allows a group of people to work together uh, that, you know, can collaborate on, you know, whether it's, you know, charities or, you know, maybe it's a shared newsletter or music releases or whatever without having to start a new company. So, yeah, it's, it's it's been a pretty uh, pretty epic launch. I think the fact that they've raised so much, um, you know, money in such a short amount of time.
0: It's a great combination too, isn't it? Because when we were talking about Daniel with Danielle Weber on um, Monday, I told you uh, she's that amazing NFT artist from Melbourne who's made works for The Rock and all sorts. Like if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. But um, she was talking about the, one of the things that she really appreciates about NFTs is the ability to build a community. And if you can combine that building, that community with the democratization of that community and where it's heading, that's a really cool new concept because it can allow artists to create and collaborate on shared newsletters, music releases, or other work without having to start an entirely new company. And I think that's really cool in terms of disrupting how artists can uh, can interact with fans and uh, people who have follow their work. It's it's pretty cool, isn't it?
1: Yeah, totally agree. I think it's uh the start of, you know, more of these, you know, communities and collections uh you know, I mean DAOs was always a thing, but I think like, you know, yeah, the the addition of NFTs to them as well is kind of a cool concept, so yeah. More to come from the here, I think.
0: The other thing that I wanted to have a chat with you about is the fact that Coinbase have announced wallet as a service. So this, um, they have said, will make Web3Tech more approachable for both companies and consumers by simplifying wallets. And this is one thing that we've spoken about a lot because, you know, we've spoken about the NFTs that Reddit released that were hugely successful, mainly because they didn't refer to them as NFTs, And secondly, because they made them really easy for people to buy and created instant wallets for people. So this shows a lot of promise. Ben, what do we know about this wallet as a service uh, and how it's going to work for people?
1: Yeah, this is really cool. So like at the moment, in terms of wallet options, like the most common wallet we have right now is Metamask. Uh, Metamask Mm -hmm. is a Web3 wallet where you can store, you know, some token. You can't store Bitcoin on there. It's it's predominantly Ethereum-based uh, tokens. So these are
0: hot wallets, right?
1: These are hot wallets. So these are things that you know store. Yeah. You know, for example, are stored in your, your Google Chrome browser. But what a coin? What Coinbase have done here is basically built or are building a new digital wallet that they want to partner with everyday brands. So for example, uh, let's say Reddit. You know, Reddit has their own NFT collection with their avatars. Potentially, Coinbase wallet mm-hmm. could interact with the Reddit NFT. Uh, sort of you know space and then you will be able to store your reddit nfts on the coinbase wallet because right now you know a lot of those nfts are only stored within that that business or within that ecosystem where i think what coinbase are trying to do is creating like a universal wallet that can integrate with any business and you can store your nfts uh for you know or you know whatever else crypto related you want in those wallets so yeah, it's 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 I think it's really cool. I think Coinbase as well are just known for building really great simple products and I think, you know, having mm-hmm. easy to use crypto wallets is only going to further the adoption of being able to have like everyday people understand this space and when you've got brands coming together and doing these partnerships, that's really where you know, integrating something like this is really going to push that forwards. You know, for example, like Starbucks, Adidas, Nike, you can imagine like a lot of these customers are going to have to have a crypto wallet in some way, shape or form in the future because all these brands are having a Web3 or crypto strategy. A lot of these brands are launching their own NFT. So um, I think it's only going to further the adoption and further the ability for people to actually interact with crypto easier than what it is now.
0: Yeah. And they say that they want to create this wallet. So it's just as simple as setting up a username and a password. And like, this is what we've said all along, you know, with crypto or with Web3 or with NFTs. It has to get to that point where you don't, you're not even concerned with what's going on in the back end. Like it has to be that easy to use. It has to be like the internet, you know, like we use it every day. It's hugely complex. I have no idea how it works because I don't need to know. Like that's how the easy the service is and that's how successful is. And I think we have to get to a point where it's just the norm and people don't really know what's going on in the back end in terms of creating that wallet. And that's how we're going to get to mass adoption, right, if it's so easy. Um, but that's pretty exciting.
1: It's very exciting. And one of the other cool things that they're doing, which they're trolling out, is that they're taking a different approach to how – the wallet actually works. So, right now, you know, if someone was to access my laptop or whatever, or they hack into my wallet, like you, you're basically stuffed, right? Like you, they get in, there's a single mm. point of entry, you're done. They're changing that. So, there's not a single point of failure. So, basically, they're adding an extra layer of security. So, if Coinbase gets compromised or someone's phone gets compromised, their assets are completely safe. And they're doing this through uh, a new cryptography. Um, uh, sorry, cryptography called multi-party computation, where someone's wallet's keys divided among multiple parties. So instead of like just you having your private key in your your address, so basically your username and your password, they make it more like a bank, where like you know they're having multiple people approve a transaction. So if someone gets access to your wallet, and maybe it's a um, it's it's like it's a hacker or you know someone like doing a nasty transaction then coinbase can have the oversight of that and actually block those transactions which is much more like the banking experience
0: yeah that's huge this is really cool now we're seeing these companies coming up with like these easily usable products super exciting so what have you got on for next week then what are we looking forward to ben anything in the news or anything personally that's coming up for you
1: Look, I think in the crypto space, like we've seen a bit of a a drop off today. Like, I think the Silvergate news is going to have a bit of a short term impact. Um, Again, in markets, markets don't like unknowns. And this was a bit of an unknown, right? Like, it was kind of known, but not really known. So I think in the short term, we're probably going to see a bit of a drop off in price. But, you know, again, this is just, you know, rinsing out all the stuff that happened with FTX. We're still not quite done yet. It's going to be a bit of a. Um, I think March we're we're expecting a bit of a bearish month just with everything that's going on. Um, we probably ran a little bit higher than what we've probably expected as well. You know, in January, like we were down at $16,000 Bitcoin USD, you know, not that long ago, we're up to about 20,000 now after a bit of a drop. So I think it could be a little bit choppy for the next few weeks, but hopefully we get through this Silvergate news. Um, and, uh, you know, you start to build again
0: yeah absolutely we'll see how we go all right then we will be back again on monday we have a super exciting guest lined up for you so make sure that you tune in if you're enjoying the podcast so far please leave us a review it genuinely helps get the message out there about what we're up to and if you have any questions about what we're talking about send us an email crypto at novapodcast.com.au ben i'll catch you again on monday
1: see you then